Welcome to Life Quest Liberty, live in-depth conversations with today's top writers, editors, and spiritual leaders concerning religious freedom around the world. On today's broadcast, we'll examine local and international factors that may be impacting your right to worship and obey God as your conscience dictates. I'm your Life Quest Liberty host, Charles Mills. We will never forget the images flashing on our television screens of right-wing fanatics storming the Capitol building in Washington, D.C. in support of outgoing President Donald Trump. We should also never forget that such activities are part of a much larger controversy that has been brewing for millennia. Here to explain is Lincoln Steed, editor of Liberty Magazine. Lincoln, what do we need to know? Well, many things. We need to know the Lord. We need to know His Holy Word. We need to be people of prayer. And we need to know, as the song says, that Homer's not here. We're just a passing through. Amen to that. And uh, there's a kingdom to come. And heaven to win and a hell to lose. Even as we were gearing up for this program, I was thinking that it's a matter of plain history that the early Christians in the apostolic era and a little beyond, into the era of church leaders, the different bishops and so on, was riven by doctrinal strife of one type or another. But they were rather almost indifferent to the political situation until Constantine smiled upon them and gave them his favor. (laughs) But it's worth remembering that before Constantine, they had some pretty bloody rulers in Rome, not just from a Christian's perspective, from a civil perspective. It was a time of great political rivalry, violence, persecution of political enemies, a lot of bloodshed. And yet, amazingly, the Christians were out of it. They chose not to enter into it, but very easily then, as we can now, you know, they could have pointed to the Bible and to the uh, New Testament writings of Christ that this was all a fulfillment of prophecy. It was all a sign of a, of a degraded society and a, and a dysfunctional and at times even evil civil governance, but they didn't enter into it. And I've mulled over that lately because that is quite at odds with what we're seeing in the U.S. Sure. More than at any time in my life, A critical mass of Christians, both Catholics and Protestants, but I would think mostly Protestants, have sort of thought that it's now their civil duty to bring in their train all their religious views and implant them as a flag at the, if not at the capital, then, you know, atop the Constitution, which has to be atop it because it's not allowed by the Constitution. That's right. That is a dangerous move and something, as I say, that you can't find in early Christianity. What you can find is that when church and state joined with Constantine, that was the beginning of trouble for religious dissidents because persecutions followed almost immediately, even though Constantine was not regarded as a particularly persecutory type. I mean, from his first act of bringing Christianity under his wing when he asked them to decide what was coherent doctrine... Then he allowed them, and he turned around and helped them to persecute those that thought differently from the received doctrine. Most people gloss over it now because they agree with the mainline view. And they didn't like the idea that Arius had brought in that implied that Christ was a created being who was sort of exalted to godhood. And, you know, there are horrible issues at stake there. But I don't think any of it would justify in, in the sense of Uh, God allowing Adam and Eve to make up their minds and obey him out of free will. None of it would justify 
the persecution that Constantine oversaw against a different doctrinal view. And it just got worse from that point on until you have the Roman Empire or, uh, and then it's rump, the, the Catholic Church, going out and laying waste to those that thought differently, to the heretics. And, of course, the United States in its history uh, as, as a Protestant culture understood that. And I think still in some little way understands it, even as we drift toward thinking that, you know, we can do the same thing. But, uh, yes, you're alluding to events that happened in the aftermath of a U.S. election that, by my lights, was one of the least corrupt. Yes. Every U.S. election is a little bit corrupt. (laughs) If you study U.S. history, voter suppression and, and loaded ballots and all the rest, both parties have done that through the years to varying degrees. That's why there are observers. That's why there are all these mechanisms in place to minimize it. So to argue there was none is a bit pointless, but you can easily show from all of the inquiries made on this election there was much less than usual, and the margin was fairly clear. So it's unlikely in the extreme that this was decided by cheating. But, you know, except that if there was cheating, it hardly is likely plausible or historically accurate that it was one party or the other. We belong to a fallible human race and an increasingly fallen human situation. So, you know, that shouldn't be the argument. But for a Christian, it really should be, you know, what kingdom am I committing my life and my my blood and my my every endeavor to establishing? Yes, we're to work toward justice in a civil sphere, but to suspend the values of godliness and Christian living and and the goal of that coming kingdom, to suspend that to what amounts to a crusade for your view of what sort of religion should be imposed on the state is the way of the arch deceiver, in my view. And I I don't mean a political figure. I mean the arch deceiver. The arch deceiver. Capital T, yes. Uh (laughs) I mean, of course, politicians are one stripe or another deceive people from time to time. (laughs) But nothing comes close to the deceptions from Satan himself. You know, in Eden, you know, you'll be like God yes, if you yes. disobey. Well, that's not true. It was true in the worst sense. God understands evil. That's why he, he wanted to spare us from it. Now we understand it, but we're so steeped in it, we don't see the distinction very often. You know, you just said something that I hadn't thought about before. You will be like God. That sounds eerily familiar. Today's Christian that group of Christian that is so involved in in what you're talking about there, they think their God as a judge and a wrath-filled God, and they're trying to be a judge and a wrath-filled God themselves. They're trying to be like the God they think is up there looking down on them. Wouldn't you say that's true? Of course. And they don't read what Jesus said to the receptive multitudes. He said, you know, the the grain is sown everywhere, and it must grow together, the wheat and the tares, until the harvest. On this program, I wanted to allude to the Great Controversy, a powerful book given to early Seventh-day Adventists through the pen of Ellen White, and she had research assistants and did some study in the contemporary writers and, and, and historians and so on. But she brought together, I think, overarchingly determined by some visions that she'd been given and some spiritual insights that we acknowledge to this day, and she put together this powerful book that speaks about the great controversy between Satan and heaven and worked out with us as the pawns from the beginning, creation of man, before that, the fall in heaven, right through to when everything's set right. And uh, let me just read a couple of sentences that I think speaks to us today. She says, Already the doctrine that men are released from obedience to God's requirements 
has weakened the force of moral obligation and opened the floodgates of iniquity upon the world. Lawlessness, dissipation and corruption are sweeping in on us like an overwhelming tide. In the family, Satan is at work. His banner waves even in professedly Christian households. There is envy, evil surmising, hypocrisy, estrangement, emulation, strife, betrayal of sacred trusts, indulgence of lust. That's the backdrop to all that's happening here. The whole system of religious principles and doctrines which should form the foundation and framework of social life, not political life, seem to be a tottering mass ready to fall in ruin. The vilest of criminals, when thrown into prison for their offences, are often made the recipients of gifts and attentions. Well, they're often pardoned, too. Yes, they are. As if they had attained an enviable distinction. Great publicity is given to their character and crimes. The press publishes the revolting details of vice, thus initiating others into the practice of fraud, robbery, and murder. And Satan exults in the success of these hellish schemes. The infatuation of vice, the wanton taking of life, the terrible increase of intemperance and iniquity of every order and degree should arouse all who fear God to inquire what can be done to stay the tide of evil. And she says, courts of justice are corrupt. Rulers are actuated by desires for gain and love of sensual pleasure. Intemperance has beclouded the faculties of many so that Satan has almost complete control of them. I mean, that's a pretty good description of what we've seen throughout the modern era, but is intensifying and it's leading to literally, in the civil sense, as well as the theological, lawlessness. But even worse than that, lawlessness thinking that it's religion in many cases. You know, that sounds like it was written last week, but it was a little bit before that, wouldn't you say? Yeah, 1888 was when it was written. <laughs> My. <laughs> but she goes on, speaking down to our age, and I hope it's not fulfilled this day, but she says, the day will come. And she links it to religious laws, most particularly a national Sunday law, which from time to time is agitated. Yes. For example, I just read the testimony of an Arizona representative speaking in the Arizona sessions, saying that they needed a law to compel people to go to church on Sunday. So it pops up from time to time. It's a false sort of a uh, morality. But Ellen White says that the day will come when this country will, the word she uses, repudiate every principle of its constitution. And I can't help but think of that comment as I see people I think are intelligent discussing what used to be obtuse points of constitutional law, but they discuss them with just free-floating imagination, not any reference to it. Like even the thing that we've been talking about recently, and I don't wish evil uh, you know, upon any ruler per se, but I think the discussion of, uh, of whether a president can pardon himself is just noxious. Yes. Any grade school kid, I would have thought, that gave half a moment's thought to what the framers of the Constitution intended. The rulers were not above the law, the people established them, and they only had legitimacy as they reflected the wishes of the people. They can't let themselves off the hook. You know, and that's just the beginning of denials of not just the rule of law, but the particular law that the U.S. has. And Ellen White, I think, made a very good point. She links the history and therefore the Constitution of the United States to two abiding principles. Protestantism, not that you ever had to be a Protestant to be an American, but it was influenced by that socio-religious mindset, the freedom from religious coercion, 
the uh, dignity of man, the work ethic, all of these things went with Protestantism. And republicanism, lowercase r, which was that the government reflected the integrity and the trust of the people. Uh, It had no other source of power. It was not might makes right, which is the old world view. (laughs) It was not the despots of of the kings. It was not divine (laughs) right, (laughs) which has been reinstated of late. But, you know, no one is given an automatic pass from the Lord to act cruelly and, and injudiciously with the people. But so republicanism and uh, Protestantism are the main principles, and they're fading very quickly. Well, our time has slipped away, Lincoln. Can you give us a one-sentence wrap-up to all this wonderful stuff you've been telling us? The answer that I gave when someone asked about problems within the church, and the advice again Ellen White gave, she says, press together, press together, press together, hmm. and do it all in the fear of the Lord. Right, very good. And the love of the Lord, the fear and the love of the Lord. I like that. Lincoln Steed, editor of Liberty Magazine. Lincoln, thank you so much for sharing today. Appreciate it. Always a pleasure. And listener, until next time, this is Charles Mills along with Lincoln Steed inviting you to rest in the freedom of God's love. Goodbye, everyone. If you'd like more information about LifeQuest Liberty, call 443-391-7258 or email us through our website at libertymagazine.org. Join us again next week at this same time as we examine more of the threats and challenges facing your religious freedom. May God keep the flames of liberty burning in your heart today. <laughs>